Hey, Uncommon Leaders, welcome back. This is the Uncommon Leader Podcast, and I'm your host, John Gallagher. My guest today is Dr. Christy McMullen. Christy is the CEO and Chief People Development Officer for the AIM Company, and their goal is to make work fun. Christy is also a best-selling author of Learning Can Stick, a guide to make every learning experience safe, logical, fun, and memorable. Her energy on this interview is contagious, and I really think you're going to like her ideas on making work more fun so people don't quit. Let's get started. Dr. McMullen, welcome to the Uncommon Leader Podcast. So glad to have you on as a guest. How are you doing today? I'm well, John. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to have this conversation. Well, I think we're going to have a fun conversation today, no doubt about it. Before we dive into even more details about your book and your company, I'll start you with the same question that I start every first-time guest on the Uncommon Leader Podcast. Tell me a story from your youth that still impacts who you are today as a leader and a person. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I, I'm i going to go with one that just recently was brought back up. So I was actually on a different podcast. And in it, I had to revisit the fact that I was a cheerleader all the way through high school and college. <laughs> and as a cheerleader, one of the things that you have to do is you have to grab people's attention when there are a lot of other places that they could be looking. And so something that I have still kind of maintained is the idea that I want to have something so powerful to say that people choose to listen. And that's something that I'm actually able to replicate for others, because the reality is there's not a soul on the planet that says, you know what, I think I want a person to listen to me, but I want most people to ignore me, right? When we're talking to people, we really want them to hear what we have to say. And so that truly is what I've brought with me all the way through life is how do I capture people's attention and then have something worth listening to? Well, being a cheerleader would definitely make that a requirement, capturing people's attention. So my son actually was a cheerleader at Liberty University for a couple of years. He just graduated graduated recently. And so we get so a chance to learn about that. Oh, yeah. I applied to Liberty University and made it. That's not where I chose to go. I went to Catawba College in Salisbury, North Carolina. But Liberty was one of my top choices. It's oh, a yeah? great school. Yeah. Go, go Flames. <laughs> so no doubt. Both of my sons graduated from there. One's in ministry. One's in athletic training. So we'll talk a little bit about maybe a little bit about that story. But no, I appreciate you sharing that because, again, gathering people's attention and holding it are critical to our success. Influencing others and getting them to buy into your vision, that they'll stick with you is very important. And as I think about our conversation today, I mean, it it revolves really around one word for me that I read about you that I started learning, that's fun. Mm -hmm. And one of the things you talk about is in your bios that you help make work fun. So before we talk about how you do that, let's talk a, a little bit about the workplace, reach our listeners and say, what do you think are actually some of the barriers that prevent people from having fun in the workplace before we start about how to fix it? So I think the reality is people forget you can have fun at work, right? So they think, oh, okay, well, that's for after hours and we only have fun over here. But people quit things that aren't fun. You know, you don't go back to a movie if you didn't have fun watching the movie the first time and you don't go on a second date if the first date was kind of meh. <laughs> so why do we think that people will continue to work for us if we don't have a fun work environment? It's so important that we recognize that the only way that dopamine is released in our brains is if we are having fun. And that's really ultimately what you want people to do is to have a good time and then to stick around in that workplace and give good work, you know? 
kind of need that too. I think that would make it much easier, right? If we're having fun at work, then we'd want to stay at work maybe a little bit more, be focused more on work and be a part of that group as you go forward. I know you work with several companies and, and talking to them about how to have fun at work. So let's jump into that. I mean, you are the CEO and Chief People Development Officer for AIM, Analyze, Improve, and Move. And one of the things you talk about, again, is helping organizations learn to have fun. So how do you do that? What's the process you take them through? So great question. When I think about having fun at work, it's not about just music in the break room. It's about using people's talents so that they feel like they're contributing because that's fun, right? It's fun when you feel valued. It's fun when you feel appreciated. It's fun when you know that what you're doing matters. And so the first thing that I do with a company is I analyze where their current systems are. What are you doing well? What do you feel like is working for your team? What do you feel like isn't? And as we talk through that, one of the things that I try to do with companies is a well-being assessment. So I work with a company called Elation, and Elation is an incredible tool. Well, they have an incredible tool. They they are a company. They have an incredible tool that analyzes all the different components of well-being, everything from whether or not you're getting enough sleep to job satisfaction and knowledge acquisition, right? So all of the different components of well-being, and you get an individual report, but then you also get a team report. So I'm able to say, you know what? Your 18 to 25-year-olds are stressed about X, but your 25 to 45-year-olds are stressed about Y. What are you going to do about that? So that's really the analyze part is to say, what's working? What isn't? And what do we do about it? And then we move to improve. Are you ready okay. for me to move to improve? No, absolutely. <laughs> Keep moving. You you take me through the steps and then I'll I'll maybe bounce off of that as you go forward and and ask you some clarifying questions. Go ahead. Okay. So once we've analyzed, we have to improve on those systems, right? So the assessment is fantastic, but if you don't do anything with that information, then it was useless. So I know that the knowing doing gap is kind of a big chasm sometimes because we can know what we're supposed to do, but what are we actually going to do about that information? So the improve part is really where I have a chance to sit down with the decision makers and say, all right, what do we need to create in terms of systems to make these things happen? So one of my favorite opportunities, I worked with a team that they really, as an office, were not getting along well. Their talents weren't necessarily being utilized. I'm not 100% sure they knew what their talents were. And so the very first thing we did was a personality assessment. We just talked about, okay, what kinds of humans do you have in this building? And then we looked at those different types of personalities and said, okay, who would be good at what? Not who as a person, but what type of personality does best in these different environments? Because I go into a lot of places where somebody who's excellent on the phone is pushing papers all day and somebody who's pushing papers all day is on the phone. And I'm like... So this is not this person's talent. Why are we putting them there? That makes them uncomfortable and they're not good at it. And the answer is usually, well, it's in their job title. Okay, well, just because you're saying they should do this thing doesn't mean they're good at it. So we improve on those systems. And then we move. That's probably the most important part, because, again, you can have every plan in the world, but if you don't execute the plan, then why bother? So I work with the groups to say, okay, what are you going to do differently? And then I check back in (laughs) to make sure that they actually did it. Love that. Now I understand AIM. Analyze, improve, and move. You touched on something to improve with regards to, you know, where, where people are working, who's good at what, and not necessarily the person 
Jim Collins in his book, Good to Great, really talks about that, right? In terms of making sure people are in the right seat on the bus. Right. In terms of, because you could have great people that have a set of skills that can be really powerful and just be in the wrong seat and help yeah. them to grow just by moving them into something that they would really excel at. Move for you, the most important part, absolutely. If we don't execute, if we don't make a change on what we've learned about the assessment, then it's going to be pretty difficult to do that. So when you think about that, checking in with them and understanding that, is there is there a story that you have with a client that really has stuck with you with regards to how one of them has gone through those three steps, analyze, improve, and move, and had success with it and and you know had an impact on you? So this was kind of a fun one. So I had a group of nurses who worked on the same shift and they were not getting along very well. They were doing a lot of infighting and a lot of backbiting and just not, they were frustrated. Now, this was right towards the end of COVID. They were exhausted. They had a lot of reasons why they weren't getting along, but their administrator was frustrated and she said, I need help. I'm like, okay. I said, can I go outside the box? She said, sure. So I gave them, a, I used the Enneagram at the time. There are lots of different personality tests you can use, but this one I liked because it talked about core fears and core desires. And our fears motivate us to do a lot of things, right? So as I analyzed these nurses and we realized we had a whole bunch of perfectionists and a whole bunch of challengers. So what was happening is my perfectionists didn't want to ask for help because they didn't want to appear stupid or like they didn't know something. And my challengers thought they had all the answers and weren't willing to listen to anybody else to see if they did. So it put that group together and you have some dysfunction. So I threw them in an escape room and they, I watched from the outside and they are in the escape room. And what was interesting is they started out in handcuffs and the very first thing they were supposed to do was find the clue to get out of the handcuffs. And the guy told them after 10 minutes, you can ask for help. Just knock on this door right here. 45 minutes later, they had not asked for help and they were still in handcuffs. <laughs> And I'm watching going, are you kidding me? And the guy next to me goes, this never takes this long. And I'm like, okay. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to slide a clue under the door. I'm like, do that. That's a great idea. Amazingly enough, they got out of the, the room with like 13 seconds to spare because one person just scoured the room by herself, did not ask for help. And then they got out. Right. So afterwards we debriefed <laughs> and I said, listen, what did you notice? And they're like, well, we were kind of stuck and we didn't do anything about it. And I said, did this ever happen in the workplace? So you can imagine how the conversation went. We talked about, okay, my perfectionists just need you to hand the files to them from the night before stacked neatly. Like don't throw them at them. Like you've been doing, it'll change everything. And my challengers, you just need to be heard, right? Yes. Okay. So why don't you share first thing in the morning what you're doing? And then we went for margaritas. <laughs> and, what, <laughs> and what that essentially did is it is it allowed them to think about in a safe environment what to do with that information. And then I called the administrator back a few days later and I said, talk me, talk to me. How's it going? And she said, I am amazed at how different. They are acting towards each other and the words that they're using because now they have a common language. So the most important thing you can do with any group is give everybody the space to talk about things and the language 
to talk about it in a way that other people can understand. And so now a year later, they still say things to each other like, hey, your perfectionist side's coming out pretty hard. Understand it's okay to make a mistake. Or, you know, as a challenger, I know that you are really frustrated when we have an idea that's different from yours, but let's hear it out, right? So to answer your question, that's what AIM does, is it looks at your individual problem and it says, what can we do to get the players who are in the problem to solve it themselves? Love that. And I can't imagine, I work with nurses as well in healthcare and without too much of putting them in a box, perfectionists and challengers sounds exactly right with regards to nurses. I I can't imagine that it was a whole lot of fun for 45 minutes for them to be trying to figure out how to get out there and not asking for any help. But the margaritas afterwards, maybe that maybe that helped to loosen up. And, th- and thank you for sharing that story because when I think about that, not just, not just nurses in general, when I think about the Enneagram, I've just been introduced to that recently and done a podcast recently with an author who wrote the book about the Enneagram. But he really talked about understanding each other in a better way. And frankly, it, it it helped me from a coach and consulting standpoint just to read through that, but it also helped me personally from a relationship standpoint at home as well. So I thought that was really cool to mm-hmm. to go through the Enneagram. I've also used DISC, the MBTI, a lot of different sure. a lot of different tools that can be used as you go forward. Now, what I'm really curious about as well for me personally, because I, I have this as a challenge. I don't know if it's just old age or whatever I go through whatever I go through. But you also mentioned you, you talked about safe, logical, fun, and memorable with regards to the human interactions that you teach. And it says in your LinkedIn profile, you can help reimagine your interactions to get people to remember what you said as well. So help me, help me learn how to remember what, what I experienced and what I said and people's names even. Uh, oh, yes. Well, <laughs> yeah. So, so fun fact, that's my superpower. I can memorize probably, I, I think 150 is kind of my cap in an hour. I can know all 150 people in a conference or whatever. I just was in a conference in Vegas this week and there were about 600 people. I'll be honest. I did not know all 600, but I knew a heck of a lot of them at the end of the three days because our names matter, right? And when people feel seen, (laughs) then they are much more likely to hear what you have to say. So safe, logical, fun, and memorable came from the fact that I was an educator or am an educator, uh, but have been for 24 years. And I learned a few things in that space that carries over into every business well, every human interaction. Who am I kidding? Like if a 16, if your 16 year old wants to get a car, this is going to work to talk them through that process, just like it would if you're talking to a CEO about a merger. So the first thing that you have to do is you have to make people feel safe. Safe does not mean that there's nothing to trip over in the break room. Safe means psychological safety. Do I know it's okay to ask questions? Do I know it's okay to make mistakes? Do I know it's okay to not know the answers? Do you know who I am? Do you know, do you care? Do you know that I have kids or dogs or cats or whatever? Knowing who people are is step one to doing anything else with them. So whether you're with this person for 30 minutes or three days, you have to make them feel safe in that space. So that's step one. And you, you, you're at, your question is about how do I get people to, to remember or how do mm-hmm. I remember, right? Well, you're much more memorable when somebody calls you by name and actually knows who you are or knows something about you. So that to me is the most important thing. So safe leads to logical. And when I think about logical, you have to have a plan and you have to stick to the plan. 
but you can't be the only person who knows there's a plan. So what tends to happen, I I love Brene Brown and and she talks about how everybody has a movie script playing in their head all day, every day, but we don't bother to give any of the other actors and actresses the script, but then we get really upset when they don't behave the way that they were supposed to in the script. So I think we do that in business all the time. So this is my perfect example. I need to see you in my office in an hour. Mm. I spend that next hour in total freakout mode. Like, oh my gosh, why do they need to see me? What is this about? How can I prepare? Let me fix that. I need to see you in my office in an hour. We're going to talk about the Smith file because I meet with the Smiths at five today. And I just need to know where we are on things. That is a totally different experience. But we don't always give people enough space to know what to expect. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, if I could stay there just on one, I mean, that experience is exactly how I try to coach others when they say, you got five minutes to talk. I'm like, Hmm. what do you want to talk about? Because I might tell you I don't have five minutes depending on what it is. But I, I love the descriptor and making it more clear to take some of that stress off of it as well. And that makes it feel right. more safe as well as logical. Right. Go ahead. I'm so sorry. so clear clear is kind. And that is really safe and logical, right? The more clear we can be with our expectations, with our needs, with our what we plan to do with these people, the the better. The other piece of logical is really do you let people process information, right? So just like I just did with you, we talked about safe and logical and I checked in, right? Mm-hmm. But we tend to talk for sometimes an hour and never check in with the person that we want to gather the information and we wonder why they didn't get it. (laughs) Mm. So it's about also processing because the person doing the talking is the person doing the learning. So if you aren't letting others speak, even in a keynote, then you also walked out of the room with the bulk of the information. And that's really not your intent. Okay, so safe, logical, fun. Oh my gosh, fun. So I am an Enneagram 7, since you now know what that means, which means that I'm the enthusiastic optimist. I I thrive in fun. That's exhausting for some people. Mm-hmm. I'll just, I mean, and, and if you've ever been around a 7, you probably have experienced it where the dopamine is firing for me, but it's sucking the life out of you, right? So fun is important, but fun has to be intentional. So I give stickers which I know sounds ridiculous, but can you see? I know. I know. Oh, I can. Absolutely. Okay. These smell like peppermint. They all smell. <laughs> and the idea behind the stickers is that it's an instant connection with people. So as I was working at this Rise conference this past week, I probably gave out 600 stickers and you know asked them what kind they wanted and everybody got one. And the idea behind the sticker is it's an instant connection. That's fun, right? Mm-hmm. But in addition to, to that kind of fun, Using people's talents is fun for the person that that we're talking about. And we talked about this with, with Make Work Fun. You're using people's talents. You are allowing people to be seen and heard. It's fun to feel like you're contributing. It's also fun to play different music in the break room every day, right? So today is going to be country and tomorrow mm-hmm. is going to be rap because that's what people like. So our brains only fire neurons when there's emotion tied to what we're doing. But in the workplace, we tend to be incredibly stoic because this is serious work. Mm. Well, it is, except that if you want anybody to be at all involved, 
you've got to evoke some emotion. So that's the fun. <laughs> and of course, my favorite part, because that is kind of my personality. But it's it's super important because you're not releasing any emotion or you're not re- releasing any neurons otherwise. And then the last part is memorable. And this gets back to your original question about how do I remember things better and how do I get others to remember? So I live in Florida and in Florida, when it rains, it really means it. Mm-hmm. So I believe in the sprinkle splash flood, drip, drip, drip form of sharing information. So here's how it works. The sprinkle splash in Florida is going to be these big fat drops that let you know you better take cover because it's about to pour, right? But the sprinkle splash is like the preview to the movie. It's the email before the meeting that says, here are the three things we're going to talk about. Or it's the email before the, the keynote that says, here's what you can expect. It's the excitement that you're creating for the information that you plan to share. The flood is that information. That's the one hour meeting, the 30 minute conversation, the three hour training. But the flood, again, in Florida, (laughs) you lose most of that water to run off. You are not going to remember it. So, John, you said, I don't remember everything anymore. Mm -hmm. That's because you're getting flooded with information without the drip, drip, drip. So there's a reason why there are three drips and not just one. One drip is not enough. This is what falls off the trees afterwards, right? So the idea behind the drip is it's a follow-up email. It's a follow-up phone call. It's a conversation two weeks later that says, hey, that was really great. Thank you so much for meeting with me. What questions do you still have? Mm -hmm. And this works in any industry, you know, real estate agents following back up. Hey, you know, you, you said that you were interested in a house. How's that going? Did you get your pre-approval? What's going on? Instead of just assuming that people after they were flooded with information will remember to do those things. So that's how you become more memorable is to sprinkle, splash, flood, drip, 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 whatever information you're trying to gather. Well, I'm going to have to study that. And I think I can, I can remember that actually sprinkle, splash, flood. I can't say it fast, really. <laughs> That's okay. Trip, trip, trip. Safe, logical, fun, memorable. So those are easy to go with. Yeah. Analyze, improve, and move. Okay. Those are those are really cool. And by the way, the type seven Enneagram, I get it. I'm pretty sure you're coming through with the type seven Enneagram and you're across the pond from me. Okay. I'm a type, <laughs> I'm a type three as I just took that. I'm an achiever as I go forward with that. And achievers like, come on, get to the point. Enough of this, you know, fun stuff. Right. Kind of Stop being fluffy. So just I'll, do it. Yeah. Well, so that's, that's going to be something again. I, I love the idea and the concept in the Enneagram of just talking about your type. It works with the disc personality. So I'm going to, I'm going to assume a high eye on the disc personality <laughs> profile as well. Uh, where I'm gonna, but I'm not a D. I'm not a driver, so I, I would be more relational and S and the C. But thank you for the tips on memory. Sprinkle, splash, flood, drip, drip, drip. I'm gonna remember that just so I can start to get to remember folks. And I think the other thing what you really said with the stickers, handing 600 stickers out. Look, folks are gonna remember that as well. It's different. My mm-hmm. saying for this year is get used to different. And smelly stickers from an adult is different, but it's memorable. People are going to remember that for a long time, and they'll remember your smile as well. So we won't have that on the video. Okay, so a couple of things, maybe shifting gears away. You've been an author. Learning can stick. You, you, learning can stick. A book that came out in August 2020. Tell me not necessarily about the book, but about the process of you writing a book. What was that like for you, especially as fun, fun, fun? And, yeah, um, right. right. And and that's not fun necessarily. Mm-hmm. Right. So exactly. 
So I got my doctorate in 2017 and actually was recorded at my graduation saying I did this so that I could write a book. <laughs> so I knew that I wanted to write a book. That's kind of why I got my doctorate. I thought more people might read it if it had more letters after my name. Ridiculous, but true, right? It, it probably goes back to that cheerleader ditzy wanting somebody to know that I was worth listening to. But the, the idea behind the book was really... I knew I had a lot of skills that I needed to share. So the process of writing it was grabbing my stories and putting them in a repository. So I used OneNote on Microsoft. There's lots of different ways you could do it, but I just had folders that eventually turned into chapters that were safe, logical, fun, and memorable. And once once I wrote it, I partnered with Two Penny Publishing, which they are amazing, and they assigned an author coach. And the author coach read my first two chapters and he said, Christy, I need less Christy Kent and more Super McMullen. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> and he said, well, he said, you have given me all the information, but you did it without your superpower. And I said, what, what's my superpower? He said, your personality. And I was like, oh, because I had written a dissertation. I thought it had to be very formulaic, right? Very informative instead of fun. So the idea behind writing a book, and I would recommend this to anybody who's thinking about doing one, is to not try to take your personality out of it, but instead capitalize on your personality. So something that I did throughout the book after that, I was like, ooh, stories. Yes, I can totally do that. And so I took a karaoke theme throughout my book. At the beginning of each chapter, I said, all right, everybody can sing karaoke, but not everybody should. So I'm going to give you some tips and tricks to make it safe, logical, fun, and memorable, right? Don't pick Freebird. It's too long. You're going to be up there forever. Sing something like Sweet Caroline, because if you sing something that nobody knows, nobody sings along. Those were all ways to let people know that this is a like a real life thing and not just a thing over here. So if you choose to write a book, don't forget to use your superpower, which is your personality, so that people will actually want to keep reading. Christy, I love that. I mean, I got hung up on karaoke there for a second. I, Sweet Carolina is one of my favorite karaoke songs, so I am karaoke. And I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't sing it as well, but I would. No, you I, should I do, sing that I do one. anyway. You yeah, should but, sing that one because people will sing along. Yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you a story offline about the the West Virginia University version of Sweet Caroline. Oh my gosh! <laughs> okay, so last question. Then we're gonna last of the podcast kind of typical stuff. Then we'll have one more. How we can stay in touch with you? The the book itself. So I had a guest on recently who was a first time author as well, and he talked about his book test. So you know, you know, behind me, I've got a bunch of books on my shelf that I've read a, a bunch of those books. But he talked about this book test. And so when folks are done reading your book, what's the one year later, what's one sentence you want them to say about your book so that they remember it and make it, you know, that your book is memorable to them? I think it would be be your authentic self and use that, like I said, as, a, as your superpower, because throughout I talk about need to knows, what to do next, right? So that's mm -hmm. very practical. But I also talk about the fact that you don't, you can't be me, right? You have to be you, but you have to be the best version of you. If you're going to stand in front of people in any capacity, you have got to show them that you have something worth saying. And that in and of itself, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I've been to a lot of trainings in my life and thought I can never get that hour of my life back. Like mm -hmm. that was terrible. 
why? Why do we do that in business? Why do we make it so that it is legitimately painful? Like the original title of the book was professional learning doesn't have to be painful. (laughs) Um, And I think that that resonates because I think a lot of it is. So I think it would be be your authentic self and choose excellence. That's cool. I I, I like that because Again, I could, there's a story to each one of those books that's up there for me in terms sure. of when I read it, maybe who gave it to me and going forward. So I am going to get a copy and read your book. And we put this together pretty quickly so I didn't get a chance we to did. read it first, but I'm excited. So speaking of your book and, and Krista McMullen, how can the listeners of the Uncommon Leader podcast stay in touch with you and learn more about you? The quickest, easiest way to, is to go to my website, which is aim with us. Dot com. And there you can join my newsletter. You can find me in, in all of the different social media networks. The other place, though, that I'm spending a lot of time is LinkedIn. So if you just look up Dr. Christy McMullen on LinkedIn, you'll find me and usually a pretty decent anecdotal something every day that I think will be practical. Because to me, you know, the LinkedIn space is the space for people to learn something instead of it just being, a, oh, you know, they're so-and-so and their kids and their dog and the, you know, what I had for lunch. Mm-hmm. It's more about what can you give me that I can actually use. So that is a great place. So the two places, my website, aimwithus.com, and then LinkedIn, Dr. Christy McMullen, and you will find some, hopefully some nuggets of wisdom. Excellent. I'll put both of those links in the show notes uh, for this episode so that folks can find you easier. I really Perfect. do want to thank you for your time. And I hope that I didn't make the book question so much that I that I stole your answer from my last question that I always ask folks. And that's really about a billboard. I'm going to give you a billboard and I want it to be the Kristen McMullen answer. I don't want it to be the the one who's going through the process, but I'm going to give you a billboard and you can put it anywhere you want to. Millions of people are going to see it. What are you going to write on that billboard and why do you want to write it on the billboard? Hmm. I think on a billboard, I would put make work fun so people don't quit. Mm. I think that would be my billboard. Say, I, I mean, I have lots of them, Lord knows, but that's the one I'm going to stick with. Okay. <laughs> I have enjoyed this conversation. I hope that you have as well. And I know the listeners are going to like it. I have. Thank you so much, John. I really appreciate your time today. Sure. Thank you. Be well, Christy. Bye-bye. That's all for today's episode of the Uncommon Leader Podcast. Thanks for listening in. Please take just a minute to share this podcast with someone you know that you thought of when you heard this episode. One of the most valuable things you can do is to rate the podcast and leave a review. You can do that on Apple Podcasts or rate the podcast on Spotify or any other platform that you listen. Until next time, go and grow champions.